I just ran into a friend of mine, actually today. He and I had started out at college together. Actually, it was just that little college just down the road here on Salisbury Road, which we now know as Crandall University, located somewhere else in Moncton. But the best days were here on Salisbury Road. And I, I was thinking about when I ran into, ran into him today, and we were talking that, you know, when we met, we were both 18 years old. We were young students wondering what we were going to learn and where God would lead us. And now it's 34 years later. 34 plus 18 makes him. Um, and he's telling me now, I ran into him today, and he was telling me about his second grandchild being born. James Willard Gregory Pike. You know, I'm just thinking now for him, after he told me that, how in um, the days ahead, he's going to be this grandfather, watching his grandson grow up, learning, developing, and changing. Uh, seeing, once again, all the joy of a, a life moving from infancy to manhood, but not having to be the parent. <laughs> um, but that phrase, growing up, um, is such an essential aspect of life, isn't it? Just one of those core things, isn't it? That if we're going to be healthy, if we're actually going to be alive, we're going to grow up. And, and, and when we use that phrase, though, it's not just about physical growth, right? We know that in life, people have to keep growing. If you're not growing, well, the bad side of that is, the opposite side of that is you're dying, right? Um, you know, when we talk about growing up, we're, we're talking about moving from um, potential to actual, from hopes to realities, from the seed to the tree. You know, growing up describes our journey of faith in Jesus, 1 Peter 2.2 2, um, talks about crave pure spiritual milk so that by it we may grow up in our salvation. I think of the parable or the story Jesus told about the sower who, you know, planted all these different seeds, you know, just threw them everywhere. And, and he makes the point that in that story that where the seed fell on good ground, it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And that parable that you can read in Matthew 13 is, is really just reminding us again of the implication of growth. That when you grow, you have, now have more influence. When you grow, there are greater results. I mean, growing up is just part of the spiritual life of, of knowing God. So... In this series called Growing Up on the Journey with Jesus, we're, we, um, Pastor Carolyn started last week um, about you know, what it meant to have a growing spiritual life. And she sort of reminded us a couple of key truths. She said, you know, you better keep the end in mind. You know, think about, about where are you headed? What are you growing towards? And then secondly, she reminded us the importance of training, that if you're gonna grow, it requires training. And uh, uh, you, you can go online and, and, and watch that, that, that message if you haven't seen it yet. But today I want us to continue, and I want to say hello to the uh, Brentwood campus um, as uh, we continue um, uh, this series on uh, our journey with Jesus and about what it means to grow up. 
So, so let's, let's just begin. If you have your outline with you, I just want to walk us through what I call uh, this big sort of idea about if we are going to uh, grow up in our journey with Jesus. Now, I, I want to say that if we're going to grow up in our journey with Jesus, here's, here's a benefit that's going to happen. We are going to become wise. And to make a, make a very simple statement about what is wisdom, I believe wisdom is when we finally are living in a place where we choose well, we live well, and we end well, okay? We choose well, we live well, and we end well. And when we can start choosing well, living well, and ending well, we are now on the path of wisdom. But, but here's the question, how do we get wisdom instilled in us? Well, I want us right now to turn to uh, 2 Timothy uh, 2.15. And I just want us to use this as our anchor verse for this message. It says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Now, using that verse as our platform, I want us to make a statement today in this message. I want us to be able to mull over this statement as we relate it to this whole idea about growing up in our faith. Um, Now, it's a big statement. So what I'm going to end up doing here, if you're following along in the outline, is I'm going to um, break it up into five parts. But the end, I want us to say all these parts together into this one big statement which I believe is a statement that helps us understand what it means to grow up in our journey with Jesus and helps us to live wisely. So, so here we go. If you want to grow up in your journey with Jesus, if you want to grow up in wisdom, read the Bible. We should build our lives on God's word and build God's word into our lives. When we ignore the Bible we will end up ignoring God and the true purposes for our lives. Base statement. I was just talking to a young person saying, you want to find your way through this world? Don't ignore this. This is your compass. If I was sending you out into the woods and say, you got to make your way through the woods. You got to travel 100 miles through the woods. The first thing I give you is a compass. This is the word of God. This is your compass through life. Read the Bible, build the word of God into your lives and build your life on the word of God. If you tune out after this point, I feel like I've preached something very important. Okay, there. But please do not tune out. And that's no excuse to the Brentwood campus either. Um, There's a verse in Psalm 119, verse 48. It says this, I honor and I love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. You know, I heard this illustration from Eugene Peterson about reading the Bible. He he used the idea of, have you ever seen a dog gnaw on a bone? You know, you you come in with a bone. I've got a dog, and I know that if we give our dog a bone, you know, she'll take it, actually. Her name's Scamp, and, and, and she'll run off into the corner. She wants it all by herself. She doesn't want anyone else interfering. And then she starts to chew on it. And she starts to gnaw on it. And she starts to lick it. She starts to worry it, you know. She works on it. And um, a great idea when we think about what does it mean to meditate 
on God's word? What does it mean to really to read, to, to study the Bible? Well, treat the Bible, I don't want to be irreverent about this, but treat it like a bone, gnaw on it, meditate on it, worry it. I mean, when we, when we study the Bible, when we read it, what we need to be doing is asking ourselves those big questions every time we read it. We need to say, God, as I read your word right now, how does my story line up with the story I'm reading right now? God, um, how, how does this story I'm reading line up with your plan, your story, your, your um, um, a revelation that we see in Jesus? Um, God, when I read this, how should I, where, where can I find hope? Where can I find meaning? Where can I find direction? What truth do I need to be learning and living out in my life? Now, now if you're going to really read the Bible, the question you have to ask yourself is this, what's your plan? What's your plan? Do you have a plan? Do, you know, is it just willy nilly just once in a while? Does your Bible gather dust until you're in a crisis and then you blow it off and then you say, okay, I got to read the Bible? Do you have a plan? You know, one of the things that we really are encouraging people to do is that if you have a smart device, you know, an iPad, iPhone, tablet, iPhone, Galaxy, I don't care what, um, there's a great app called YouVersion. Um, I use the YouVersion. They have got dozens upon dozens reading plans. Um, the one reading plan I'm following right now is called the Essential 100. Um, it's, it's, they're taking the 100 major passages throughout the Bible and sort of walking you through. And the neat thing about when you, you, if you use this um, digital um, uh, device, what you can do is they'll actually track your reading. They'll tell you, okay, like right now I'm about 35% of the way through on my reading plan. And then once I'm done this one, I'll go on and do something else. The point is, do you have a plan? Now, consistent feeding on God's word is what keeps us growing. Now, let's go to the next part of this statement, if we're going to grow up and be wise. Um, we need to read the Bible with a gospel point of view. You know, if we go back to this verse, it says, um, you know, correctly explains the word of truth. And I want to just focus in on that little phrase, the word of truth, because it's, it's telling us here that um, we should not be ashamed and we should be able to correctly handle or correctly explain this word of truth. Now, what is the word of truth? Well, well, some of us may say, well, the word of truth day is, is this, this is the word of truth. It's the Bible. Well, actually it really isn't. What Paul is referencing there in the word of truth is the gospel. Um, uh, in, in fact, in Ephesians 1.13, there's only uh, two other places actually where this word of truth is used in the scriptures. It, and one of them is found in Ephesians 1.13. Now listen to this. Paul says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the word of truth, the good news that God saves you. You see, when Paul's referring to handle correctly the word of truth, he's saying handle correctly the gospel. Um, understand what the implications of the gospel really is for your life. So, so what does it mean then to read the Bible with a gospel point of view? It, it means that when we come to scripture, we have to let Jesus be the center of everything we read in scripture. As we look at the Bible, we need to see how God is working out his purposes in Christ. So, I, now, I, I know I'm sort of talking conceptual, so let's use some real examples. So I read the story of Joseph. 
And if you haven't read the story of Joseph, it's in the latter part of the first book of Genesis, very first book of the Bible. But when you start reading that story, you can say, oh, what a story. It's about a, a guy who really felt that God was calling him to a great destiny and his brothers were jealous. They sold him to slavery. And, and then he worked his way through all this tremendous crisis and calamity. 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 Calamity in Egypt. And here he is, he's in a foreign land and he's being abused and he's thrown in a dungeon and then God gives him the ability to interpret dreams and then he saves the whole country. He becomes second in command and he saves his brothers, his family. Oh, it's an incredible story of never giving up on your dreams. And, and you see what we've just done? We've turned a, a, a Bible story into a moral inspirational moment. But if we read this story with a gospel point of view, you know what we see? We see that, that Joseph is, shows us a forecasting of Jesus himself because Joseph becomes a symbol of the redeemer to come and what he would be like. He will suffer unjustly at the hands of his own brothers, yet he'll also redeem their lives by forgiving them. In Joseph, we see a picture of what Jesus was going to do for everybody. Do you see how you read now the story of Joseph with a gospel point of view? Changes it, see? Or how about the David story? You know, again, you know, David, you know, whoa, you know, coming down, big Goliath, over nine feet tall, got a real bad attitude, wants to take someone on, you know, that represents the Israel nation. David says, why are you, aren't, aren't taking this guy on? You know, we got the, the living God, the, the Lord of hosts will be with us. What? Come on, let's go. And everyone's saying, are you crazy? And of course, David goes down and he says, I'll, I'll take him on. And King Saul says, well, here's my armor. David says, don't want the armor. Just want, a, just want a little sling and a stone. That'll be it for me. So he, he goes down and the, you know, the Goliath laughs at him and mocks him and says, I'll feed your flesh to the birds today. And of course, there's the, 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 the battle that goes on. And David, you know, throws the, the rock, hits Goliath. Goliath collapses. David runs over, pulls the sword out, chops off Goliath's head. Great victory. And we say, wow, there's another great inspirational story. You know what we should do? We should all fight our Goliaths like that. I don't know, understand why, where my rock is, you know, with my boss or my teacher or my spouse. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we start to mess up the point of the story. But you see, I wonder if we read that story with a gospel point of view where we started to see that that in David, we see Christ who's taking on the giants of Satan, sin, and death. And that in Christ, he has slayed them. And so instead of us trying to be David and, and, and take on the giants of life, we look to Christ who's our David and who's going to fight, on, fight our giants. See the difference? See how, how you can read the Bible with a gospel point of view? Um, one final one. Think about the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, by the way, if you don't know them, good place to go check them out. But the Ten Commandments, and, and here's the truth. I'm going to confess, I have either broken them in deed or in spirit. And the law of those Ten Commandments shows me that this is God's law. This is God's way. I'm not supposed to covet. I'm not supposed to steal. I'm not supposed to um, lie or I'm not supposed to break the Sabbath. I'm not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. I'm not supposed to have any other idols um, uh, before me. But I've done all that, either in deed or in spirit. 
And, and you know what the law of those Ten Commandments show me? It shows me that I can't live the way God wants me to live. The law shows me that I'm a sinner. I have broken the law. And you know what? I know in this city, when you break a law, you have to pay a fine. Um, that's the law, right? Well, when God's law is broken, someone has to pay and a payment needs to be made. And yet, you see, when I look at the Ten Commandments and then I put, I put the gospel point of view on it, I realize that Christ came to pay the penalty for my sins. And now I live out the Ten Commandments, not in the fear of God, but in Christ's grace and mercy. And I live out those commandments God's way as an expression of my love to him. Not as though somehow if I break him, I'm, I'm doomed. No, Christ has paid my debt. So... That's, that's the next part, if we're going to grow up. We've got to read the Bible with a gospel point of view. But now here's the next part of the statement. And the wisdom that you receive. You know, in, in this anchor verse again, I want to go back to 2 Timothy 2.15 here. It says, who correctly explains or correctly handles the word of truth. But if, if we look at that verb, correctly explains or correctly handles, depending on what version you're reading, um, the actual translation means this, to cut a straight path. And I think that's a great way to describe if we're going to live wisely. We make straight paths. When people don't live wisely, you know what they end up doing? They're just going like this, right? But, but it actually, this idea here is that, that with, the, with the word of truth, we can cut a straight path through life. We can live life well rather than getting off track. And, and, and I think of what it says in James 1.5. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you and he'll not rebuke you for asking. Now, how does handling the word of truth well and asking for wisdom go together? Well, let me just make one suggestion to you. Have you ever heard of the practice called Lectio Divina? It simply is a Latin phrase that means divine reading. And and. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you want God's wisdom, can I encourage you to do what's practiced called Lectio Divina? And, and here's what it is. It's nothing mysterious. It's, it's what you do is you go, okay, Lord, I'm going to read a passage of scripture. So this one that we're reading tonight, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly explains the word of truth. Read, you read it slowly, you think about it, you gnaw on it like a dog would on a bone. And you think about it slowly and you say, God, what is it, what's that one part that's really speaking to me? And maybe I'll say, well, you know, that part there about to receive his approval. Man, God, am I really thinking about your approval or do I think about other people's approval? God, man, do I really look for your approval every day? Is that really my end target? And then, and then in this divine reading or this Lectio Divina, you move from read and think, and then, and then you let God um, speak to you. And you speak to God. And you say, God, this is what I'm hearing your word telling me right now. And you let that, you let that conversation with God happen. And you pray that through and you say, God, I, I want your approval more. And then you just get quiet and let God's spirit speak to you. And you listen. And then finally, you act. 
You walk out going, today, I'm not going to be worrying about the approval of my friends at school. I'm not going to be worrying about my approval of my fellow workers at work. I'm not going to be worrying whether or not my mother-in-law really loves me or not. No, I'm not going to worry about that anymore, even though I do appreciate my mother-in-law. But, but, but from now on, I'm going to look for God's approval first. So there's, there's Lectio Divina. You read, you think, you speak, you listen, you act. Now, now just as a little, little bo- uh, sidebar, if, if you have a smart device, you can be going right on to our U version, our live event right now. If you're following along on our, our live event, we have a link to a video that describes Lectio Divina in a very cool way, okay? It's about a minute and a half video, so you've got you to gotta, you gotta watch it. Um, but but, but here's, here's, here's the essence of this about the wisdom you will receive. The more we want God to speak and gain his wisdom, we need to let the word of God dwell in us and we need to understand that with the gospel, the good news of Christ and the way of Christ. And then what we'll find is this, when we let the word of God dwell in us and we have the, that gospel perspective, guess what will happen? Our paths will be made straight and we will live wisely. Now, That moves us on to the next part of the statement. So read the Bible with a gospel point of view and the wisdom you receive will align you with what God is doing now. Do you know that in life, there are these baseline questions we all need to answer? Who are we? What is wrong with life? And what is the solution? And how we answer those questions determine everything else. Now, when we read the Bible, I believe we get answers to those what we call world perspective questions. In fact, um, the Bible tells us this, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Do you understand that, that the more you let the Bible become your framework for life, you are not going to look at life anymore the way other people look at it? You just can't. See, the more we read the Bible from a gospel point of view, we start to see that there's this grand story that's taking place. We start to understand that God created us to know us and be loved by, by, be loved by him. And that sin broke that relationship. Now God is on this cosmic rescue mission. You know, when we start to read the Bible, we start to get this view from the Bible that there's this grand plot line to life. There is creation there is humanity, there is the fall, there is the redemptive work of Jesus. And then finally, there's going to be the culmination of history when Christ returns. That's the grand plot line to life. And, and, the, and, and please understand, until we get that plot line, the good news of what Jesus did doesn't make sense. But when we start to put it in that plot line, it starts to make complete sense. See, God's story tells me who I am. I'm created to be loved by him. God's story tells me what is wrong. Sin entered the world. Evil entered into our midst. We're no longer living under God's rule and have lost the presence of God. But God's story tells me the solution to the grand scheme of life. Through God, I mean, through Christ, God will reconcile everything to himself. You know, when we begin to align our life with God's story, I will start to live in a different way and you will start to live in a different way. 
I, I will start, in fact, to grow up in my faith in God when I start to see things from God's story of love and truth and grace. For example, I'll no longer look at my life as pleasing myself, but I'll know that God created me in Christ Jesus to do good works. I'll no longer look at my neighbor as a problem to be avoided, but rather I'll see my neighbor as one that God loves so deeply he sent his son to die for. I'll no longer look at this life when it's filled with stress and say, I'm all alone, but rather I'll, I'll realize that God promised never to leave me or forsake me. I'll, I'll, I'll look at my money differently and my time differently. And instead of saying mine, I'll say they're gifts to be used for good and for God's glory. And I'll no longer look at this life as only the best life I'm ever going to get because if this is it, then, then I really have missed the boat. But there is a greater life, a life spent in eternity with God. So now let's get to this final part of the statement if we're going to grow up in our faith. So, so what is it so far? It's if I'm going to grow up and get wise, I'm going to read the Bible with a gospel point of view and the wisdom I will receive will align me with um, what God is doing now. And here's the final part of the statement. So that you will receive his approval. Did you catch this in this anchor verse? Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. You know, wise living means you always keep the end in mind. And here's the end point. We must present ourselves to God and receive his approval. If we ignore God's word, we will be ashamed because we have neglected God's way and we have not lived wisely. Now, that is the goal. It's God's approval. That is who we're living for. That's where the grand story leads us. Listen to Matthew 25, 21. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Listen, let's celebrate together. That's the end goal of this story. When we grow up with this end in mind, we grow up. You know, you may be saying to yourself, Dave, living like this, thinking like this, acting like this takes a lot of hard work. Well, let's go back to this verse. Work hard so you can present yourself to God. Now, now please understand, you don't work for your salvation. Jesus paid it all. It is a gift of God. But please understand that, that the hard work is this. Thinking like this takes hard work. It takes diligence. It takes courageous actions. The hard work is learning how to live out this good news of Christ. But never forget, this hard work is also lived out in the power and the grace and mercy of Christ as well. That's a gospel point of view. But it is hard work. You have to pay attention. You got to work at it every moment, every day. So, let us read this declaration of growing up in our journey with Jesus if we want to live wisely. Let's, let, I want you to uh, grab it along. There it is. Okay, it's on the screen. Or is it, you're reading it on, on, your, on your outline. So, let's just read this together. I will read the Bible with a gospel point of view and the wisdom I receive will align me with what God is doing now 
so I will receive his approval. Do this, and you will be wise. I'm going to turn it now over to our campus pastor, and we'll move on in our service. Well, as we come to the conclusion of this service today, we now come to our time of offering. And again, we even give with that by reading the Bible, it gives us a gospel point of view about our giving. So let us pray. Lord, we give you today what is already yours. That's what your scripture tells us. You provide us so much for us. Blessings pressed down, shaken together, running over. Thank you for giving us the ability to give and the cheerful hearts to do it. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen.